You're listening to Superhero Time, the after show. So, everybody have a good weekend <laughs> besides watching Enterprise? <laughs> like, there's parts of Enterprise that I legitimately don't like. Most of season three, for example. Really? You didn't like three? What was wrong with three? It was season three of Enterprise. Well, yeah, but I mean, I know you have reasons. Yes, because it was season three of Enterprise. XP doesn't like like the third season of any show. Ah, okay. There we go. No, all the changes they made for season three, I hated. Really? But this episode is still by far worse than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was like... By far. Yeah, this was, again, intentionally bad. (laughs) The Indeed. only way this episode could have been worse if it had Andy Dick in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, if he was in it, we would know why Trip died. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he gave Trip the drugs. <laughs> oh. Way to was... Fort Max a joke there, Scott. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, it would have been worth it have like I said, John Lovitz to show up and beat Andy Dick's ass. And, you know, as... <laughs> As a Star Trek character. <laughs> EMH Mark III. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> what would be worse than Robert Ricardo as a doctor? John Lovitz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you a shot. Yeah, that's a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Your prognosis, it stinks. <laughs> uh it stinks. Flush yourself out with some of these essential oils. Why is there a picture of a cheerleader on the bottle? That's Hey Mickey brand. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just use it. <laughs> so the other thing with Enterprise that I remember as I rewatched the, the series a year or two ago was the whole temporal war thing just seemed to kind of fizzle at some point, didn't it? I don't remember there being any good resolution to the shadowy time guy, and it all just seemed like a bunch of build-up, again, for nothing. Well, I think part of that's because the series ended before they planned it to. Yeah, but yeah. But also, they because they, also because they had to like completely redo everything they were doing for season three. Right. Oh, again... Things that wouldn't happen if UPN wasn't calling the shots. Right. Right. But that's the same problem Voyager had. Yeah, at least Voyager kind of still had the spirit of Star Trek, going new places, doing new things, and, you know, the the moral conundrums and, you know. Just doing it it in as boring of a way as possible. Well, it did, but at least I had the spirit. At least some of the soul was. They tried. They tried. Poorly, but they tried. (laughs) Right. You know, and, and I, you know, I still, I still like Janeway as a captain because she was always like six steps ahead of everybody else. And it was always fun for me to watch see how she totally fucked over whatever opponent they had who thought outsmarted her. I always thought that was interesting. Eh, that kind of grated on me after the, you know, third or fourth episode. I, I can see his point though. Because I, I mean, she would, outs- she would outsmart I, everybody. I you know, don't would- necessarily necessarily disagree it's just that voyager dragged on itself so the thing is janeway was every bit b 
be fanfic self-insert Starfleet captain. Think so? Yeah. She solved every problem all by herself. Basically, mm. she solved every problem all by herself. She knew everything that all of her department heads should be the ones knowing and bringing to her. Like, it, you, you know, know, Picard didn't know all that shit. Right. Because he was a captain, you know. And Picard never hit me. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the Janeway Some, thing and somehow XB being Q makes a lot of things make sense well yeah it absolutely makes sense I thought that's why everybody was here is anybody here you know on their own will I don't think so <laughs> one day I will just pop into Mickey's house with a mariachi band and, and the rest is history mm-hmm yeah, so yeah, it's between that Janeway being the, the Mary Sue's. Like, I remember there was one episode, uh, she had to go through some trial to prove herself, and she made it much tougher on herself than, than it needed to be. And that was like the, 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 the moral of her story was her flaw was that she was too hard on herself. So that kind of adds credence to your theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in fairness, Chakotay was the most boring goddamn character ever. Well, that's because with a captain like Janeway, you don't even need a first officer. No, you're right. So there is literally nothing for him to be developed around. He did nothing. I can't think of a single Chakotay moment in the entire show. And, like, you could almost, if if the rest of the show had been structured different, you could almost blame that on, okay, Janeway didn't want to give him any responsibility because he was the Maquis captain. But that would also require, you know, freezing out all the other Maquis crew members. Right, they couldn't function that way. They had to bring them on board. I mean, they, they needed them because they lost so many. No, I mean, you know, they can bring them on board. They can put uniforms on them and just, you know, give them unimportant jobs and token oh. titles with no real responsibility or power. Oh, like first but officer. That's, but that's not how the show was actually structured, <laughs> so it just turns out to be bad. Right. Another character I never really liked was Balana. She never actually did anything either. Well, she died that one time. <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> yeah, she got better. Yeah, it doesn't count. No, she died and nobody cared. Yeah. Yeah, especially Seven. He... Seven really didn't care. <laughs> and, you know, she was pregnant for a season or two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, those are certainly things she did. <laughs> yeah, yep. just never like Voyager that. was a thing that happened to us. Yeah, just like Enterprise. I I wish I we. Do you guys do? Do we even want a new Star Trek series? Well, that's not a simple question, Scott. I mean, I, I, okay. Here's what I'm going to say. Yes, because right now the environment for television is better than it's been in years. And the environment for films is worse than it's been in years. Yeah, plus all of the good fiction is in television these days. Honestly, honestly, I think there are some shows that you might not think of that are making that are kind of make sci-fi a bit more okay to have on maybe even a network t TV now because you got. I mean, look at like The Flash. It is the most goofy sci-fi laden show that has been on in a while and it has no shame and it does really freaking well in a tough time slot at that. I yeah. think, I think to have a Star Trek series again, I would want it to probably try to be like a Netflix. I mean, heck, didn't series. Flash have like a episode where it, where they had, uh, um, he, he ran backwards in time. I mean, come on. <laughs> Spoilers. 
Sorry. I'm watching that series right now. It's very it, good, it, Mickey. It, I, really I really like it. it. Yes, it is very good. I'm like, we it, started watching really it on Sunday and we're eight episodes in. And wasn't there an episode where they had Mark Hamill playing the same guy he did from the 90s Flash TV show? Did you show? not just hear me yell out spoilers? Oh my god, I'm going to god slap damn you. damn it! At least what I said was in the first five minutes of the show! There was that really cool episode too where the Flash outran his chlamydia. That was amazing. <laughs> but no, but no. He also outrun your shame. He also he also launched off this big burst of nerf darts and outran them too. And it, but it, he himself in his own ass with his own nerf darts. It's, it was amazing. The atmosphere on television, <laughs> even that television for sci-fi, is a lot more accepting than it was. I think. I think as far as it being on a different network, not like cable TV, I completely agree. If it was on Netflix or Amazon or anybody else to actually take control over it and do it right. Yeah, where, like, they, where they actually have creative control. Like, like, let Seth MacFarlane in on it. He loves Star Trek. He believes in it. And I think he would do a good job Absolutely producing something like not. that. Okay, God no. Okay, no. You don't think Scott, so? okay, Scott, 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 I have two problems with what you said. <laughs> One is Seth MacFarlane. Yes. The other is huge fan of Star Trek. Neither of those things should be involved with producing a new Star Trek series. Right. You but, need well, someone who is familiar and respects the stuff that came before, but not someone who is actively a fan of it because or that will lead to who's ruin. Not that familiar who can okay look back and okay this is what. This well, is that's okay. When I say familiar, just like have an understanding of what the series were and the concepts in them. You know, not necessarily have like an us level of trivial minutia in our heads. Sounds to me like you're describing J.J. Abrams. Well, but he's a, in theory, Swears. yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's but, a skilled but, filmmaker. He knows not, enough okay. about it. Yeah, so in theory, but not where it's, speci- he, where it's specifically remaking a thing that already was. It's contributing new to the same universe. And the thing what is, if, Abr- Abrams before was like, well, I'm not really a Star Trek fan. It's like, oh. Right, right. But what if J.J. had been given a TV series instead of the movies? Well, again, well, it would have if it was not a... about four seasons too long, and they would have stumbled <laughs> through one season with a plot. And again... So, Heroes. I think that was a joke. <laughs> Lost. Um, Lost, right. Same difference. No. It's the, it's the same thing, though. If it had been new material contributing to the same universe, not recreating something that was already there in a different way... And have, sure. and also we're we'll write it stuff in to tie it in so oh this is replacing all of this stuff. Right, right, right. Yeah, Re- minus the reboot. You know, what what if he had been tasked with with making a TV series of Star Trek? You know, pushing the the plot forward a hundred years or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think do you that, think that, that that might have been decent? Okay, that would so have been better. Because even JJ, then, you could you could you could you could hand wave away all the like chrome and lens flares with that's just how things look at that point in the future sure that's the yeah, style exactly. of the time we yeah, have right. gone we have circled back around to 1950 again yeah onions in their belts you know <sighs> nickels had bees on them whatever yeah uh, so quarter. <laughs> yeah but that's what that's what we'd say me and hey mickey because we're so old um <laughs> so if not jj then who that would be good for a starship show yeah, for I mean, on any network, on Netflix, on any kind, and your perfect dream uh, Star Trek series to last seven, eight seasons. Judd Lynn. 
<laughs> I don't know. Give him a budget. Right. <laughs> he might. Give him a budget. Give him a book about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the technical manual? What are you talking about? I don't know. I've seen Power Rangers. No, just a novel. I'm pretty sure he's A novel. Sure. <laughs> I am pretty sure Judd Lynn is a Star Trek fan. We could use more wire foo in Star Trek. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, no, that would be if they were bringing Sakamoto on. Well, why not? Like <laughs> Written like, by Ted Lin, directed by Koichi Sakamoto. Like, you know, have four or five Klingons as recurring characters. And just, you know, when they show up, there is this nice choreographed fight scene, all the pyro in the background. They have, some, fa- they have some fancy armor. Well, look, they already have... Oh, no, that's, just... what you do. that's what you do. By this point in the timeline, the Klingons are, like, legitimate members of the Federation. Yeah. So the ship has a contingent of Klingon Marines. Yes! Literal <laughs> space Marines! Yeah! <laughs> and they what, have... about... Galaxy. what about uh, Brannon from Farscape? Yeah, yeah maybe. something like that. Because um, he grasps space, um, he worked with Jim Henson, they know how to create good aliens, and they can grasp, you know, individual standalone episodes as well as a larger season arc so as well as you know as well as drawn out development of main characters characters. yeah Yeah. so who did firefly again no not firefly not firefly we don't want joss whedon doing star trek but don't want joss whedon doing anything for many years (laughs) he's he's a little oversaturated hasn't joss whedon even said that he's freaking sick of everything yeah 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 pretty much age of ultron basically broke him yeah that's right. Okay, so I wasn't alone in that. Okay, good. Mind, mind you, I think but, uh, some of that is his own, is his own doing, but yeah, whatever. Regardless... His writing's been getting thin for a while now. Yeah. Well, yeah. to be fair, his writing was never that thick in the first place. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I never really watched Buffy as a thing. Well, the thing is, but, he didn't write all of Buffy. He wrote some of Buffy. Okay, but it's not, that's not even me. really the point. Like, just the things he did after that, though... Yeah. You know, in the first couple of series of his I paid attention to, it's like, okay, this is the same three characters in some of these shows. It's the same three characters four or five times in the one series. And sometimes yeah. it's just played by the same guy. <laughs> so, like, archetypes. What would like, be the step okay. before an archetype? Well, that's one. I mean, because maybe he has a problem with archetypes. Maybe because he's telling a story. Joss's he has a, problem certain... is that most of his characters are interchangeable. You can yes. swap the dialogue between them, and there's no difference in the scene at all. And everybody, uh, everybody, Avengers right had there. this problem right a lot. Everybody Avengers talks exactly the same in every Joss Whedon production. Yeah, Avengers had this problem, but it did not have as, that problem as big as it did in an Age of Ultron, where literally every single character from Captain America to freaking Ultron himself was just quipping every other line. And yeah, it was interchangeable. All right, and then the fine. Old- Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith does Star Trek. Kevin Smith can't direct anything that's not an indie film. He's tried. I don't, I don't think. I don't think he also would have enough creative freedom, because when he doesn't, he, he we get stuff like Cop Out. Now, now keep in mind, I'm 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 being a little bit more realistic in this in the sense that we're talking about like a producer, someone who has like a large influence but doesn't do the day to day stuff. That they don't write every episode. They're not making Even, the props. Okay, so you're thinking more of a showrunner. Yeah, showrunner, someone to, to to instill and push it forward and, and keep it up to a standard and, and be and the like, spirit and soul. And my thing is, 
make a new Star Trek show to go to Netflix or something like that where it's got more freedom, I would want them to try to grab Iris Stephen Bear again and put him back on it as the show. Really? Really? The problem with Netflix would be budget. Iris Stephen Bear was the showrunner for most of Deep Space Nine. I mean, it depends on what kind of show they're doing as well. Yeah, that too. But like, yeah, uh, because... as far as budget, I'm personally down with a scaled down, smaller Star Trek if it tells a good story. Mm-hmm. I mean, look how look how good Daredevil turned out, and look how and even like Jessica Jones was screened at NYCC, and it's apparently getting a lot of good impressions as well. So Daredevil was brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they, they, yeah, Daredevil was, was really... brilliant. I don't necessarily want a Star Trek show that you know no, feels like Daredevil did. No, no, but... no, 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 no. I'm just talk- using that as an example. Yeah, no, I mean, but, no, it, no, and exactly. But it's, as a good example. Of, it's smaller in scope. Yeah. That type of thing. Can focus like, on think, a tight story in a small location. In scope, and it takes place in a bigger universe. Okay, yeah, and can I think. you do that with Star Trek? Is that yeah, possible? I th- yes, Actually, yeah. what I think is if you're putting a show on Netflix and you're advancing the timeline, you need to start that out. You know, a first, like, 13 episode run, you need to start that out where it's a small focus and. The larger universe around it is implied and hinted at, mm-hmm. but you don't really see a lot of that in those episodes. It's more about establishing these are the characters. This is the basic hint of the situation. Get people interested and in wanting to see more and of if that. It's successful. That's when you do that in season two, and yeah, you have I, more money at that point because you're proven. And yeah, I think the difference is that Star Trek because because you, know, you have a whole series, you could go on for years. You can show all these different places and cultures and new things all the time. Uh, you have to expand it out. But I think it's such a, a set thing now that you could focus down and make it, you know, a singular, and this is the important part, a singular narrative that lasts, like you said, for 13 episodes and is tight. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing yeah. about Daredevil. It was one tight-ass story. Yes. Daredevil is basically a 13-hour movie. Yeah, right. they didn't need to expand <laughs> on the universe and explain how the universe works. You saw the Marvel movies. You know what this is. They're in New York. That's the end you of it. Know, That's all you, you know need to was, know. You know there was an alien invasion. Go. Right. right. Everybody so, knows there was an alien invasion. That's just the world this show lives in, and right. you're just That's you understand that it's not a thing they have to throw in your face every minute. Yeah, because not right. every, it's, 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 it's like any major event in the real world. It happens, and people talk about it, and then they don't. You know, I think right. you know the Daredevil threw in once or twice in dialogue, like the Manhattan invasion or something and we, like and we, that. We, we saw like a he- some headlines from uh, Ben's office and yeah, whatnot. in the newspaper clippings yeah. and stuff, right? Right. But see, and Star we, Trek, I don't. They don't need to do that. They've already, again, they've already established the universe. We don't. They don't have to show spaceships and galaxies all the time because and they have it all on Netflix anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, an example yeah. of a storyline that would work for a Star Trek miniseries would be like this Michael Dorn Wharf show he's been trying to get off the ground. You do 13 episodes of Worf doing Klingon politics, that would be perfect for Netflix. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. And I mean, you know, yeah, you have to, like, you can't expand the timeline forward as much with that, but throw it, like, 20 years forward, maybe, mm-hmm. where it's still credible that Worf would be a major player. Yeah, because... I mean, the, it would uh... still work, and you could still then, you know, as you move out from that after that first run of episodes is over and you're working on more of it, you can still start to develop new things with that, even that small of a time skip. Yeah, because yeah. in 2409, which was the 2410, which is when the MMO is set, Worf and Michael Dorn, repri- you know, he does the character in there, and he's, he's like some Klingon governor ambassador or something. I mean, so uh-huh. he doesn't fight anymore. He's not in Starfleet anymore. I mean, he, he is high up in the Klingon, but he's like an ambassador, so he also has freedom. 
I mean, you know, we can tie this together with what I was saying a little bit ago. You know, have the show be about the Klingon admission to the Federation. Yes. Oh, that would be interesting. Do a 13-part single narrative Can you imagine the intrigue? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, wow. And how they barely pull it off and the double crossings and all the different players. The Romulans want to fuck it up. And, oh, man. And then if you, you know, then if you get the second season order, that's when you jump it farther forward. You change the focus. You see in like five, 10, maybe 15 years, what is the Federation like now with the Klingons as full members, Klingons and Starfleet uniforms everywhere. How has that changed the world that we, that they live in? Yeah. I mean, how does that change Klingon culture? Cause their whole culture is completely opposed to Federation style things. I mean, they have vassals. You know, that's why you don't see Klingons on ships, because all the races that they own are back on the planets working in the factories. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> they only let Klingons up on the ships. That's when you'll ever see them. But they don't they don't talk about the dozens of races that they basically have, have subjugated mm-hmm. and conquered. That's why Worf is such an exception. Yeah, right. exactly. No, I mean, also like the that's... hybrid of design. Yeah, incorporating Klingon stuff into Federation technology. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just have a... Well, that would be that would be a tricky thing too, because like you know, the Federation has treaties where they can't use cloaking devices. And all that's Klingons... gone now that Romulus is gone. All that's gone. The Tree of Algernon's toast. Well, yeah. okay, so like that assumes that they would still observe the J.J. Abrams movie. Yeah, but that, the, that happens. That's canon. In Star Trek main continuity, uh, Romulus there, has been destroyed. There is fiction after that, too, right? Yeah, yeah. All that's gone. Yeah. Data being captain of the Enterprise, but, that exists in that universe. Okay, but it doesn't have to, is what I'm saying. Eh, yeah, it doesn't have like, to. You know, they this, probably this can, would. They probably would, but it they're can't They're better off without Romulus, because Romulans are stupid. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, but, just th- I'm just thinking, I'm, like, I'm, it would, unless it would they make... go full Disney on it, like they did with the expanded universe of Star Wars, and just like, fuck that shit. But, no, I'm just thinking it would make more interesting for the setting if, like, you know, Klingons have cloaking left and right. If they became Federation members, they'd have to give that up because they would be bound by the treaty that doesn't allow cloaking devices. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would just be another component to... It would just be it... waved away with a cloaking is dishonorable. <laughs> yeah, but if that was the case, why did they use it all the time? Well, I think XV's point is, is that would be fun for drama. Right. It would be okay. another component to setting up, you know, it's this is how troubled it is trying to make this happen, but they still want it to happen. Next, here's a question. Okay, so Klingons, we tell the story of how they got to be part of the Federation. We have this, you know, the Klingon Empire, the Federation's all kind of one big thing, kind of working together. Who's the bad guy? Well, that depends. Who could I mean, threaten a, a, a galactic force that powerful? I from mean, within. It, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It would be, or it will be it more would... like Deep Space Nine, where it's usually a jackass of the week. Okay, <laughs> then what about? Oh, it's me like the show. Finally, expand out towards uh, the Delta Quadrant and take yeah, on I mean, the I Borg. Mean, Voyager does show that for reals. There, there is a lot that they. Yeah. They, they don't and can't touch in the other shows because it's too far away. Eventually, that stuff might catch up. Those guys who were... Uh, or they might be able to move fast enough to get there. I so, think... I think Better the, work technology. Those guys who uh, they kept using the communi- their communications network. The Herogen. Yeah. The, the Hunters. 
Yeah. Who were really disappointing by the last time they showed up, but it was Voyager. So there's, no, I'm thinking still, they're still badass in the MMO, by the way. <laughs> I'm thinking. Yeah, and there's all the Gamma Quadrant too. Yep. Yeah. They just I'm, barely scratched the surface on. Now the idea of going cool. out to actively attack and destroy the Borg, driven by the Klingons <laughs> pushing for that, that would be interesting. Because then you have the moral conundrum of you know seeking out conflict but also destroying a threat to the galaxy once they regenerate and rebuild and come after Yeah, because, because the Borg are always going to come back. They're right. always going to come back. They know this. The Klingons right know this. And they want to stamp them out. Well, the Federation like, oh, we have peace. We should enjoy it. So that would be interesting. The Borg would need to be different this time around, though, to make them interesting again. They need to be able to generate drama over a long-term series. Ba- ba- basically, basically, the Klingons would shake up the kind of stuffy nature of the Federation. And I think that would be like a yes. long-term thing for this concept, but in the initial 13-episode war-focused one, the villain would have to be like elements within the Federation already. And the whole thing... Romulan spies and all the other interested parties who don't want to see the Alliance happen. My goodness, right, it, there'd be so cause, many. Because that needs to be a political... I mean, it needs to be a political if, story more than it needs to be a space... Take the remembers that even even if Romulus is gone, there's still Romulans throughout the universe. How about how about a Ferengi weapons warlord who's oh, who's made tons of money moving <laughs> you know weapons between the Klingons and Federations and yeah. you know, all the people in between? Yeah, yeah. Fucking kingpin. <laughs> well, only if you get uh, Vincent D'Onofrio to play him. <laughs> oh God! Oh, can you imagine? The tallest, fattest Ferengi ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing a mascot. Ferengi <laughs> Prime. You, have, you, you would have to just, like, for even just an episode, have Pork show up. You'd have to. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that point. I think Grand we fixed, Rom. I think we fixed Star Trek, guys. I think we did it. <laughs> and why wouldn't you have this take place on Deep Space Nine anyway? <laughs> well, all the sets have probably been torn down, for one thing. It's been renovated. <laughs> well, yeah, they'd come in eventually and do it. I mean, they're going to keep it Cardassian looking. Yeah. <laughs> the culturally whitewashed Deep Space Nine. Right. <laughs> well, that boring mushroom tip head friggin' starbase design they use. And they, they still have the whole bicycle wheel structure underneath and the docking arms. They just plop the mushroom head thing on top of the upper pile. <laughs> 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 it's all still there. They didn't change any of it. Just got welding it on. <laughs> they'll they'll just glue. They'll just dig out the old bottle and just stick a big kit bash it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, put a saucer section on it. Who gives a shit? They'll Turn just it like down and put it on. They won't know the difference. Put it over the model. <laughs> uh. Just turn it sideways and put one of those mushroom heads on each of the, like, put three of them on at the angles of the docking arms. <laughs> like something out of Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> it looks vaguely Star Trekky, but not exactly. How about, like, another sh- short 13-episode series where the Cisco comes back to Bajor, a second coming? I mean, what, that could be interesting, too. What story would be left to tell, though? Okay, so the like, story of whatever what did they come up with for why he's back? I mean, just okay. So here's how this works: Bajor is part of the Federation. Yep. But Cisco coming back kind of screws all that up unintentionally on his part. 
you know, it basically reverts them back to their pre-Federation values where they're more, like, you know... Seventh-day Adventists? Well, it's like, you know, in the future when they're part of the Federation, they're going to lose some of their culture. Right. Like we were talking about with the Klingons after a time. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, and then their culture, coming... culture gets a booster shot. Yeah, basically, and they start, you know, turning against their Federation values that they've adopted over time, and that's kind of... It, you know, it's, it's sort of like a condensed-down version of the undertones Deep Space Nine had. But well, this time have Cisco the, uh, be the one leading Bajor away from the Federation. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. But why? Because wormholes. <laughs> <laughs> because Bajor needs to stand alone. Or something like that. And it kind of makes sense, too, because, like, one of the things in Deep Space Nine was the Bajorans were somewhat resistant, in part, to joining the Federation, because, like, they just got rid of the Cardassians, now here comes another power, and some of our people are trying to get us to jump in bed with them, but, you know, through the Cardassian occupation and everything, they haven't been able to stand on their own in a couple generations. Right. So, you know, Cisco would come back, he would be the rallying point, and he would probably agree, too, Bajor needs to stand and grow and be its own thing for a while before it takes its place with a bigger power. Bajor doesn't need a rebound girlfriend. Basically. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that's a good way to put it. See, I don't know if I, don't know if I personally want to watch a 13-episode miniseries on that. I mean, that's the underpinning. You could grow it out from there. And add a little bit more to it, but like elevator pitch. Yeah, pretty much. Basically, what we want is DS nine (laughs) two. Yeah, yeah, but not exactly. (laughs) No, I mean I was ended DS nine two. I mean, I want, I want the show to be set literally on Bajor. No space station, no ship. I mean, you get, you know, you have the ship setting for like people coming in and stuff, but everything happens on the planet. Right. Right. That would yeah, bring the was pretty that, cool looking. That would reduce the budget a lot. Right. Right. Bajor is not cool looking. It's space Israel. <laughs> oh my god. Well, it's a little greener the, the, than that. <laughs> well, some of the stuff that they have like in the MMO it looks pretty cool. A lot of the architecture and everything is very Bajoran looking and I don't know, it's kind of neat. I, I could see it being an interesting place. Well, and okay, like the other way to look at this too is you get 13 episodes of the Wharf series about the Klingon admission, a 13 episode series about the Bajorans kind of pulling back with Cisco's return. You could do stuff like that as like, you know, over like an 18 month period. Like, have, what, Mar- like what Marvel's doing. Yeah. Basically use oh, this shit. stuff. Use this what stuff to, to set do? up. What is, um, do 13 episode spinoffs from the series cyclical. Mm-hmm. So after you do the Bajor one, do a follow-up to Voyager that would basically deal with the Borg. Ooh. And then we could cycle back around to, to touch on that Next Generation concept and expand that out again. Hmm. Or even go back to the original series for a spinoff of that in the Next Generation era. So it'd be just vignettes, basically. Each episode is kind yeah. of standalone. Yeah. Uh, I'm okay with that, too, because that, that's been discussed before, too, making a vignette show, which is you con- concentrate on something specific, tell out the story, flesh it out, show the consequences of something that happened in the series, and then you just move on. I think that would be nice. Bite-sized chunks of Star Trek would be good, too. Yeah, the way I'm picturing it right now is, like, you would have two or three of the 13-episode series spread out over 
like one and a half or two years. And then after that's wrapped up, you launch into a more, you launch into like a longer series. That based on, of, based on one yeah, of the episodes that did really well. Well, no, just based on like the stuff that's been built up through those 13 episode series that happened before you use all those to build the foundation of the new uh, time period. So you tie them all together so they have like a, a greater thing that moves into the season two. And then it forms the basis for a full show. Right, right. that's what I'm saying. That like, that would be good too. And like, okay, so you like, you break up the 13 episode series and have like four storylines per 13 episode series that are all, you know, three part episodes and then either a standalone episode or the end of the season has four parts, whatever. You know, you do that and you explore those issues and you can jump between the settings, but you don't have to fill tons and tons of concepts. Right. I think one thing one thing they could do with one of those episodes is uh, kind of go back to the beginning of the Federation and show how the first Warp 5 starship, uh, you know, helped form the Federation with the Andorians and the Tellarites. Now, this sounds like a really good show idea. Well, Scott, things going to work. <laughs> I love that stony silence of fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, all it. the stories would have to be in the air quotes modern period. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, focus on different things going on in that time frame that all lead into what, what the actual ongoing show would be. And what yeah, actors yeah, you can actually get back. Well, that too. I mean, you know, a few people are guaranteed, like Michael Dorn. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm, his warp show. <laughs> I'm sure you could get Patrick Stewart to do at least one episode. I'm sure you could. Nowadays, especially, Pat, he seems more. He seems to have kind of loosened up with age. <laughs> I. What do you mean? Has Patrick Stewart always yeah, been I'm kind sure. of goofball? Oh, he he has. I just mean he seems like he would be easier to get nowadays than maybe years ago for a TV show episode. Yeah, I think you'd do it just because it would be fun. I mean, he's yeah, usually more about having fun now. Yeah, yeah that's, all, that's what I meant. You'd, you'd have the sad Picard episode where, like, everybody's been promoted around him and he's still just the captain of the Enterprise. <laughs> and it's not that he's declined promotions to stay captain of the Enterprise. Just Nobody, nobody's asked him to become an admiral in all right. these years. And, and, and it's somehow... mostly because they, everyone thinks that He's exactly where he wants to be. He gets a call but he really is just, like, Picard gets, is 95 years old. He's <laughs> tired. He wants a desk and some air conditioning. He gets a call from, he gets a call, he gets a call from Admiral Riker. <laughs> yeah, Admiral Riker's telling him what to do. And, of course, at this point, the Enterprise, uh, you know, the E, I guess, no, is actually, like... Even is, worse, Admiral Janeway. Yeah. No, that happened in Nemesis, I'm I sorry know. to say. Yeah, I remember. No, so, it would so it would not be Admiral Riker or Admiral Janeway. It would be Admiral Barkley. Oh. <laughs> Admiral Crusher. <laughs> Which one? Yes. Does it matter? Plus they'd give Will Wheaton an ex you know, a job so he could pay his bills for a month. Well he can he can actually act now, so you know. Based on what? On what do you make this claim? <laughs> he can he can act more now, and he doesn't hate Star Trek the way he used to either. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, like, no, I mean, yeah, have Wesley figure into one of those story arcs. 
Yeah. So now, like, now he, he doesn't have to be the central figure, but he can be in there with a role in one of those stories. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he if he has to show up. I mean, he's part of the family, so yeah. Yeah. I imagine the Enterprise E, though, if Picard is still like captain of it, like thirty years, that it's like an old folks' home. All the furniture is covered in plastic. <laughs> You know, only applesauce comes out of the replicator. The, the youngest ensign is like 80. <laughs> He's, He's an ensign at 80. <laughs> the saucer section is just like a walking mall where they just throw people walk around in circles. And there's, there's, <laughs> and there's this like really poignant scene in the ready room. Where he looks over at the fish tank and just has this soliloquy about how many fish he's had to flush. <laughs> a shot with uh, in Riker's office where he has a very, very low-backed chair so he can still step over it. <laughs> no, 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 no. In Riker's office, the chair actually has like a dropout floor under it, so it drops. It's like a full height back on it, and it just lowers into the floor about three feet. Oh, my hip! <laughs> <laughs> Are you like listening to jazz? <laughs> oh, this is too good. Uh, number yeah, one, you know gotta go make a number two. <laughs> you know what? Fuck J.J. Abrams and all them. We should be the showrunners. Damn now, right. would yes. they still be able to... Now, we would still... Hopefully, they'd still be able to get Whoopi Goldberg uh, for... At least one episode. Yeah, why not? Well, if that if she's not going to be in the next Predator movie, I think I think she'll have time. <laughs> yeah, but she will not be in the Predator movie. Now, she's the she's the generation. Pick out anything of what you said in your pitch. Aw. Is he trying to fix? Oh, he's fixing it. Aw. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. They should oh, have got Whoopi to be in that last Enterprise episode since she has oh. not aged since the original series aired. <laughs> That's true. Well, she hasn't aged, but she has gotten heavier, just like everyone else. Yeah. Nonsense. Well, no, she was in uh, Law & Order SVU last week. And that, that was special effects. She was wearing a fat suit. <laughs> now, to be fair, in two thousand what five, when that Enterprise episode was made, she probably wasn't quite as you know out of work heavy as she is now. Hey, Mickey, is Whoopi Goldberg your spirit animal? No, that's racist. The guy who sings the Gal Rangers, the theme song is my spirit animal. <laughs> Gal banana. Gal. <laughs> I don't think Scott knows him. No. No. Let's, let's let's fix that. Yeah, I was about to say. I'm pretty sure I'll know here in about 15 seconds. Uh huh. These these the after shows tend to tend to happen this way. <laughs> I tend to get uh, very educated. Yukio yes, Yamagata. He is my spirit animal. It wasn't until we passed like the 25 minute mark into pitching this like fantasy Star Trek season that this went from being what we were talking about after Enterprise to being an actual after show. Oh, no, I have seen this, Mickey. I have oh, seen yeah. this. Oh, good. Yes, yes, you posted it somewhere, and I watched it, all of it. Yeah, he's so amazing. So let's see, Super Sentai Spirits 2006, Yukio Yamagata, Go Ranger Hero, and it's the, the dude. Gow Ranger. Gow Ranger yeah, Guerrero. Gow, yeah, and he's got There's a, a difference, though, because there actually is a thing called Go Ranger. 
which okay. is separate from Gal Ranger. Gal the important Ranger. thing is, is an old Japanese man that's been carved out of wood and is wearing a dozen cattails. Uh-huh. Yes. This is the most insane thing. We'll, we'll have to put this up on the on the Reddit page or something so people can see this. But, um, yeah, it's absolute insanity. So, yeah, so so XB's mom can watch this clip so she knows what we're talking about in the podcast. Gal Banana. <laughs> Gal Ho-Ro. I like the, the YouTube video is called calls him a Ho-Ro. H-O-E-R-O. Ho-Ero. 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 <laughs> is it just me? Is it just me? I'm having like the best flashbacks to JD right now. Yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I wonder how you'd say Kyoto user. <laughs> so we have Yukayo Yama Gata. Uh, <laughs> now you're just doing it on purpose. <laughs> now I'm doing it on purpose. Here, Scott, pronounce this word. Kruger <laughs> Oh my Kr- god! He is Kruger <laughs> And you're doing the same thing that JD did with it, too. (laughs) Of saying it a billion different times and never getting it right even close. K-Y-O-U-R-Y-U-G-E-R. Kyogre. Now you're a Kyogre. You are. (laughs) Shit, what's another thing JD had trouble pronouncing? Um... This is a fun game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's compare well, let's Scott a to JD. Word, and there you go. Well, yeah. Yoshi? <laughs> Yoshi? <laughs> anyway, the moral of the story is, because we yes, need to wrap it? this up, the moral of the story is we should be showrunning the Star Trek revival and not anybody else because we have all the best ideas. We do. We do. We'll get drunk enough, do a podcast, and we will come up with 13 episodes that are airtight. Oh, dude, dude, I don't even need to be drunk. This is just how I am. I don't need to drink! <laughs> this is just me. I see. I see. See, I was told everyone was drunk during this show. That's I'm, because, you're, no, that's because Mickey told you. Yeah, Mickey told you that, and the only person that counts to Mickey is Mickey, so everyone is drunk. <laughs> okay. That's correct. All right. I'm correct when I say that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Scott, you should know him well enough to understand that that's the case when he tells you something like that. Oh, I do. I've I've seen the bottles in his sink. I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard what it sounds like when he takes out his recycling. (laughs) Recycle? Throw them out to the street. (laughs) You don't want kids out there playing anyway. That's true. I tried to knock the shoes down off the power lines, so. (laughs) (laughs) No, what you do is you save up all those bottles, and you line them up on the drive when you get a bowling ball. Actually, I'm going to save up all the bottles and strap them together and use them as a raft to get off this island. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think in California, you could probably, like, turn them in and make five cents per. So, yeah, you can do that. How much water is that by? <laughs> well, it depends if you're in Barter Town or if you're out in the wastes. I'm just hearing this and all I'm thinking is Seinfeld episode. <laughs> oh, these people. They give you bottles. But which one of you is Newman? <laughs> Not it. <laughs> <laughs> I have 
never seen an episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, you're better off. Seinfeld was only actually enjoyable while it was fresh. Yeah. It, 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 it is basically an in-the-moment thing. It, I've tried watching it on Hulu, and... Sein, yeah, Seinfeld is absolutely an in-the-moment thing, because Seinfeld, like, by about halfway through, it was making its own culture. Yes. So, that, so that, like, that's it's not pop- even that it had re- legitimate pop culture references generating it it was making its own and living off of that which means that like there is a, there's no substance to it most was a, of it anymore. it was a, it was a self it was a self-generating <laughs> self-sustaining it was, show about, it was a show about nothing which is exactly what it became yeah. right right yeah and no. the, speaking of the culture yeah because it created this culture in the 90s it was new and funny and fresh and smart and self-referential and 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 all that kind of stuff but see nowadays Everybody is that way just normally. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to it anymore. Right. It's just all the way of, we all are of now. What it, all of what it was is gone, and there's nothing left to recapture watching it. Also, and this is a theory I've had for a while, uh, if that show couldn't have been made in the 2000s, because only in the 90s, when everyone didn't have a fucking cell phone, was any of those plots workable. Yeah, basically. A cell phone and any of those shows would have solved everything in two seconds and they wouldn't have had a show. Yep. Well, hey, and where the, are you? Hey, what's going on? Hey, what was that girl's name? And that would have been it. Well, and the other thing is, too, like in Common Rider Fives, if anybody would have had a cell phone, that also would have solved most of the plots in about two seconds. <laughs> Which is funny considering they transform with cell phones. Yeah, I was about to say. I thanks, thanks Fort like... Max. <laughs> well, Scott doesn't get it. He doesn't understand the joke. I had to explain well, I was about it. About to say. Well, I was just going to say, I thought Japan has had cell phones since 1950, so. <laughs> you still Fort Max the joke, though. Yes, but Scott wouldn't have understood it. He didn't need to understand it. I don't understand anything you nerds are saying anyway. Right. Klingons Especially the Star Trek parts. And, yeah, Star Trek Klingons and <laughs> spaceships and all that nerdy stuff. That's, nah, you know, I don't understand what you mean. Uh, all right. So next week we have uh, Gary Seven and we have the original series. Good times. As so opposed I'm, to this. And I'm not allowed to crap on that episode. It's going to be a good one. And we're just going to sit around and sing Kumbaya and say how great it is, right? Well, sure. if you want, <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think you'll want to crap on the episode. Okay. Any more than, any more than you would crap on the original series, just, you know. It's normal process because it's the original series, right? No, it, it's it's a fine episode. It, it's a very good choice on Fort Max's part. Yes, good. Hey, Fort good. Max. I'm looking good job, Fort Max. That. That's something I don't hear very much from you guys. <laughs> well, perhaps you should speak up more often. He actually sounds genuinely pleased by it too. I don't hear that very much either. <laughs> Did it take some emotion? <laughs> What joy? kind of Vulcan are you, Fort Mac? <laughs> we gotta take care. Of, we gotta. We gotta make sure to snuff that out later. <laughs> All right, Fort Mac, you're going back to the colonar. <laughs> remember to, to <laughs> remember the colonar here, Fort Max's regularly. 